please open to Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and we'll be reading verses 19 through 22. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we, we come to prepare our hearts and our minds for your table and this communion meditation. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by your word. Thank you for providing us the truth and the, and the richness of the gospel, the good news of salvation in you. Thank you for teaching us about your church. Help us to know and to love you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is part three. I'm, I'm excited to bring the, uh, the, the closing of a three-part communion series of the last half of Ephesians chapter 2. Remember that uh, the, the first half of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, is familiar to us. It's a, it's a great treatise on personal salvation, but a little less known and perhaps less contemplated among us is the second half of Ephesians that has a more corporate nature to it. And I think it's appropriate for us in a communion meditation to, to think about the corporate nature of the church and of our salvation. So the main thing that we need to remember that as we go through this, it's not that we replaced the church in Israel, but that we were brought into it. And we'll see some of that today. So by way of review, um, if you want to look in your Bible, verses 11 through 13, that was the first thing that we went over. And we saw that we were aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. We had no hope. We had no promises. The second, uh, the second time, the last time we spoke on this was verses 14 through 18. And there we saw that the Lord broke down the wall of separation between the Gentiles and the Jews. And the wall of separation was most clearly seen in the ceremonial law. The sacrifices, temples, circumcision, all those things. God broke that down and, uh, and, and made a way. And so we saw that we had access through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, to the Father. And remember that I said this, this is difficult for us to contemplate because we've had access for 2,000 years, Right? But we have to think, what would it be without this? What if the gospel had not extended beyond the Jewish nation? And you may remember I said, think about pre-Christian Europe. Um, you know, paganism there. My, my family just went down, my, my parents just went down to um, Central America. And everybody gets excited to see the Mayan ruins. But boy, what paganism that you see down there. And so... That's what it's like without the gospel. So it's, it's valuable for us to think about this, I think. So let's, let's dig into this. Verse 19. Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Now, let's get the sense of both of these words, okay? Strangers. Stranger means that you don't belong here. If somebody walked in here with a Halloween 
costume on, we would say, I'm sorry, you don't belong here. You're, you're in the wrong place, right? A foreigner is somebody who belongs somewhere else. So they have a, a, a membership somewhere else. So these two things, these strain, a stranger and a foreigner, those are two things that we are not. We're not a stranger to God's promises, and we're not a foreigner to it anymore. What are we then? Let's read on. Fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Fellow. Think of just rubbing shoulders with somebody. We're, we're you know, in with everybody. We are fellow with the, with the saints. Now, what about this word saints? I, I think that we have a wrong understanding oftentimes of the word saints. And I think it primarily comes from the Roman Catholic Church. Saint doesn't mean somebody who's really dedicated to God. It doesn't mean somebody who's high in the church. It doesn't mean somebody who's exalted. It doesn't mean somebody who's gone in the past. What saint means is that we are separated to God. And so in that sense, we are all saints. And that's, that's why we're ad- addressed at this. Now the word is, in Greek is hagion. And hagion at its, at its base means holy. And we've talked about this before, but holy doesn't primarily mean pure. Remember what it primarily means? Separated to God. And so it's more of a category. Holiness is more of a category than a quality. We're separated to God. Now, it, it results in purity. So I like to think of holiness in this way, that it is a category that leads to a quality. And that is what we are. We're saints. We're saints and members of the household of God. Now, let's see the progression here also. I'm, I'm kind of getting into the details of these words because I think it's worthwhile. We are citizens and members of the household of God. There is a progression there because members is more intimate. If we see a child walking around, they're lost somewhere in Omaha, we, we're not going to say to that child, do you live in Omaha? Or are you an American? We're not going to say that. What are we going to say? Who are your parents? We're going to say, what's your last name? I don't, I don't care what your first name is. What's your last name? I'm going to see where you belong. If you're members of a household, that's, that's the intimate part of it. And that's what we are. We're citizens and we're also members. Now let's look at verse 20. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Now what's being built is the household of God. Being built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And you remember that Phil has been taking us through Revelation 21 where we're talking about the new Jerusalem. And he actually mentioned Ephesians 2 when he, when he went over that about six weeks. I think it'll be helpful for us to review that. So let's turn together to Revelation chapter 21. Let's turn over there. Revelation 21, and we're going to read verses 12 through 14. And she had, she is the, is the church, the bride of Christ, and it's also the new Jerusalem. Those things are, are, are both in mind here. And she had a great and high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Now the wall of the city had 12 foundations, and on them were the uh, names of the 12 apostles of the lambs. I'm oh, sorry, of the lamb. I'm sorry, one lamb. 
Jesus Christ, sorry, of the, of the Lamb. Okay, so look at this, children. Verse 12, there were, there were 12 tribes on the gates. 12 tribes, 12 gates. Now look at verse 14, 12 apostles. And what are the apostles? 12 foundations. And these were the 12 apostles. Now, think about this. Doesn't this seem a little backwards? I mean, the church started where? With Israel. And it started with the tribes. But when you build a house, don't you start with a foundation? Why are the apostles the foundation? And the tribes the gates? Well, let's turn back to Ephesians chapter 2. There's a remarkable unity between Ephesians here and, um, and Revelation on this point. Two different authors, but one spirit um, bringing this to us. So back to Ephesians chapter 2. Why is it that the apostles and not the tribes are the foundation? Let's read again. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets... Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. That's the answer there. Why is the church built on the apostles? Because the apostles are the representatives of Jesus Christ. They are the ones that bring his prophetic word. They are the ones that took his the power and, and preached it. They are the ones by which we get his revealed testament in the new word. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says, No other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Here's the point. Jesus Christ is the foundation of the church always. Isn't that remarkable? And it really has to be that way. How, How could it be any other way? We need help. We need the word. We need the revelation, and Jesus Christ is the revelation of the Father. So he's the chief cornerstone, and I, and I thought about using a Legos illustration, but a Legos illustration falls short for two, two reasons. Number one, because a Lego, you don't necessarily have to start at the corner. They're made in such a way you can do that. So that's one problem. Number two, I realized that any Lego illustration that I used is going to rightfully fall short since we have some of the best Lego builders in the world in our congregation. So instead, we're not going to do a Legos illustration. Instead, we're just going to think about building a brick wall. And you start at the cornerstone. And Jesus Christ is where the church was started, not just for us, but for always. He's the chief cornerstone. Let's finish up with um, verses 21 and 22. In whom the whole building, being fitted together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Verse 20 said the house was being built, and now we see here that it is being built. And Phil preached the same thing out of Revelation 21. It's built and it's being built. And how is it being built even more? By us. It grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together. Okay, I'm going to 
I'm going to ask one more question before, we, before we, we wrap up here. So this house being built, the household, who's it for? Is it for us? Yes. It's for us. But is that all? We're going we're gonna to miss the richness of that if we, if we don't think about verse 22. In whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. Who lives here? Who lives here in this house? It's not as if the house were, being, were built and then God doesn't live here anymore. We know rich people who do that, right? They build a, build a house and they don't ever live there. But that's not the household that we live. God in the Spirit lives with us here in the church. Well, in conclusion, I, I hope that our hearts are softened a little bit more. Not, not only are we personally saved, but God expanded his blessing to the Gentiles. And so we're brought into God's house, and God lives here in the Spirit. Let's pray. Dear Father, you've given us a peek at your house how it was built and how it is being built. And we acknowledge, our Lord, that Jesus is the chief cornerstone. Help us to live out our reality that we, once were strangers, have come into your household for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.